the Oakdale Christian Centre podcast. Freedom in Christ, Session 13, Staying on the Right Path. This is our final Freedom in Christ session. We really hope you've enjoyed this course. The main reading is 2 Peter, Chapter 1. Our last um, session in this, this course is really is titled Staying on the Right Path. Taking all that we think, all we believe, because it doesn't matter what, what you, we, we say, oh, I, I believe that, but how you live really determines what you believe. So it doesn't matter what you say to me or what you say to each other, or what I say is how we're living and how we're thinking really is truly how we are. And we've got to bring our ways and our, and our thinking into line with God's word, or we'll get all screwed up and messed up. Thankfully, I love the um, that verse in, I think it's Isaiah, the Lord said, this is the way, walk in it. Um, and you had eight questions there last week um, to have a look at. Uh, I'm not sure about some of them, but we'll, we'll, have a, we'll, we'll delve into them. About success. Um, am I successful? And then I would be more successful if. And we'd look at success. Lots of uh, tight topics. You know, we'll just only glance over them. Each was probably worth a, a week in itself. How significant, how fulfilled, how satisfied, how happy. I'm not sure about that. How much fun I'm having? I'm not sure about that one either. Um, how secure I'm having? How peaceful am I? And all those things, we'll just look in a moment and we'll, we'll see um, uh, where we are and to answer those questions. And right at the back of your book, you've got a, a good guideline of what he's really he's after because um, depending on what some of those words are, we get a little bit mixed up. So really our, our job tonight is just to remind us uh, where God wants us, what God wants us to be, what God wants us to do, and what he thinks is all those things. What he thinks is success, because it isn't what the world thinks. What he thinks is significant, fulfilled and peaceful and secure and all those things. Let's listen to these verses, um, the first one, Philippians 4, uh, 11 to 13. Philippians 4, 11 to 13. <laughs> There's a great passage there. Paul, remember Paul, now listen to what he's saying. I've learned to be content. There's a process going on there because our world is thrusting at us that you are, you cannot be content unless you, you are this or you have this. Uh, the, you know, people say, oh, do adverts work? Well, let me tell you now, if they didn't, they wouldn't spend billions of pounds a year if adverts didn't work, would they? And, uh, you know, yeah, they, of course they work. Um, depending on what it is and who it is. Um, so it, it, it's a thinking, learning to be the content. Um, I wonder, you see, if, if um, assuming the basic needs of our lives are met, food, shelter, safety, 
you'll be motivated then by what you believe will give you success, significance, fulfillment, satisfaction, security, peace, and all those things. Right now, you are living by faith according to what you believe. Whatever that belief is, and we need to delve into those. Um, if we were to ask ourselves really, and to be honest, isn't it? Um, I would be more satisfied if... Ah... I would be more successful if. I would be happier if. I would be more, 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 and all those things. And uh, you know what? As we, uh, we, can, we can see where we are. We, we know what the world would say. And sadly, we, the Bible says, don't absorb the world. Sadly, we do, don't we? We get squeezed in. And that's why the Bible says, be careful what you absorb. Turn the thing off in the corner sometimes. Get God's word into your heart. Get God's uh, worship around you that you're thinking because otherwise the world will squeeze you into its mold. They put you, would it be acceptable for Christians to put straight fives down for all those things? Well, of course, if we understand what God thinks and what God wants, we should be aiming for that, shouldn't we? Um, because God doesn't want us to be insecure, does he? Of course he doesn't. He doesn't want us to be insignificant in the kingdom. Insignificance, of course, with ourselves and, and dying to self, of course. Unfulfilled failure in God's eyes. No, of course he doesn't. So consequently, we must ask ourselves, are we living up to God-given potential? Or are we in danger of taking wrong turns? We've got to be careful. Because the, the, the world is full of diversions, distractions. The devil is an expert don't ever, you know, we get, we, some people, I was reading the book again, and he said, we got some people challenging the devil, he said, and they can't handle their own lives. He said, they can't turn the TV off in the corner. They can't stop eating so much or whatever. He was talking about different, you know, personal issues. So we've got to be careful. Um, uh, when, we, when we think, we've got to always challenge our hearts. That's why the Bible says, examine your heart, examine your heart. First one, success. Well, of course. A lady went to her minister, and uh, she was living in sin. And um, she said, well, past I read this verse, 3 John 2, lovely verse. Beloved, I pray that in all, in all respects you may prosper and be in good health. Oh, lovely. She said, well, if God wants me to prosper and success and get up, why am I not experiencing it? And he said, well, read the whole verse, my dear. And what's the rest of this? Your, you will, in all respects, prosper in good health as your soul prospers. He said, you're only experiencing the success of your soul. I thought that was very good. See, what your soul is only reflecting in what your life is. Success in God's eyes starts with the inner man. Of course it does. Be born again. Be born again. This is, let me just say this. It is perfectly possible to be complete failure in the eyes of the world and an absolute success in the eyes of God. Um, if you look at some of those prophets, we would have thought, Jeremiah, dear me, in one sense, we would say, what success did he have? And he had enough, didn't he? But in the eyes of the Lord, he, dis he, he discharges ministry with wonder, you know, as he said, he, he wrote longer and he spoke longer than any other prophets. So you can be also be a success in this world. Listen to this now. You can be a success in this world and get a complete failure for all eternity. Success is related to goals. If you're related 
Rate yourself low in the success category. You're probably up in difficulty reaching your goals in life. Then you must come back to what God wants you to be. 2 Peter 1, we just read, it's an amazing chapter that God has given us everything we need. Um, and it's all the works in it, in one sense, already done. Life begins on the basis of what we are and God, what we are in God and what God's already done. And it's our, our job then to cooperate with Him to actually be what we can be. And, uh, when we don't, what happens is what's the problem? The problem is in, in Peter says, you know what? You've forgotten who you were. You become short-sighted and blind, and you've forgotten you were forgiven your sins. Again, it always comes back to Jesus and the cross. When we understand who he is, when we understand what we've done, we are just captivated afresh, aren't we? To love him, to serve him, and to become the people. He says, now, he says, there's a work for you. Be diligent. See, for those people we love, we are diligent, aren't we? Generally. We are diligent for them. And so how much more of Jesus to be diligent for him. See, success in God's eyes is not success uh, in man's eyes. Um, we see God's word very clearly, don't we? Um, of people who, who thought they were successful in God's eye, in, in thought they were successful, but in God's eyes they certainly were not. Israel, the Bible says, when they prospered, he said, be very careful then. Because they thought that was success, but the Bible says they became hard-hearted towards God. They drifted from God. Nebuchadnezzar, we looked at him the other day. Nebuchadnezzar, look at what I have built. Success beyond all success. But in God's eyes, Nebuchadnezzar, get down here a bit now. Start eating in the grass. Start eating in the grass. Let me bring you down a couple of pegs. So success in God's eye, in, in the world's eyes, is not success in God's eyes. And we have that story, Jesus said. They came to Jesus, didn't they? And, and the man said, now, sort this will out for me, Lord. Sort this inheritance out for me. And he said, look, that's not what I've come. And he said, a man's life does not consist in the abundance of possessions. Let me tell you a story. There was a man. He was successful in the world. In fact, his business was going so well, he said, I'll rip down these barns and build bigger barns. And he said, then I will put my feet up, eat, drink, take it easy. Listen, to, that Jesus... And the Lord never calls, I think, probably once this year, a person a fool, very, very rarely. You fool. You were successful and you've laid up much in this life, but you've not prepared for the next. All that we will see, success, success, um, is doing and being what God. Some people say, well, I'm not like so-and-so. Well, no, that's right. And we could say, well, I've only been given one talent and they've been given ten. That's not fair. How can God do that? Well, listen to this now. Our identity and our self-worth are not determined on those qualities and those talents. Not at all. Our self-worth and our, our, our identity is based on two things and two things alone. Who we are in Christ and our growth in him in character. See, everything else, all those giftings and, and things we, we are to do are peripheral to who we are in Christ and who we must become in Christ. I always remember someone saying, you know, somebody he said, look, he said, the person on the door in the church, if he's faithful and doing his work, is just as valuable and will just be rewarded as much as the greatest evangelist who stood up and discharge you. Why? Because we all have positions and dis dis discharge our giftings. 
That's got nothing to do with value. That's to do with where we are and who we who we to be, uh, what the giftings he's given us. Every Christian should know who they are in Christ and grow in character. I love the verse. I've said it many times. Jeremiah 9, 23, 24. Look, let not the rich man or the wise man or the strong man boast in all those things. Let him boast in this, that he knows me. That he knows me. That he knows me. And I am the God who exercises chesed, loving kindness, justice, and righteousness. And in all these I delight. That's what the the Lord delights in. So we are to commit our goals to know him. To become like him. Sadly, we have uh, history. Some of us have been in church all our lives. have seen, sadly, many people who have fallen by the wayside. Uh, Sad stories of failures. Why? Because... Um, like that story of that lady, they haven't really understood who they are in Christ, what Christ has done for them, and what Christ, in, in a sense, demands of us as well. What does success mean in God's eyes? Well, thankfully, Joshua. Let's read Joshua. Joshua 1, 6 to 9. Be strong and of good courage. For to this people who shall divide as an inheritance land which I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous, that you may observe to do according to all the law, which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may prosper wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate it meditating it day and night, that you may be observed to do according to all that is written in it. For then you shall, then, then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you, be strong and of good courage, do not be afraid, nor, I, nor, nor be dismayed, that the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Well, how was Joshua going to be successful? Very clear. Know God's word, meditate on God's word, and do God's word. He said, if you do this word, you will be successful. So our success is hinged on one thing and one thing alone, is listening and doing what God says. If Joshua believed what God said and did what he told him, he would be, and he was, a success. However improbable and however difficult God said to him. We know the story. Joshua, we're going to take, we're going to take, take uh, Jericho. And we've looked at Jericho before. We saw the double walls, very high in a bank between. Amazing, really uh, impossible, impenetrable. And God says, right, I'm going to give you a great strategy now, Josh. Great strategy. What's the strategy? Oh, I'm, I'm listening. Right. Going to march around the, the what? Yeah, march, start marching once a day. Okay, right. That's okay. We'll do that. And, um, now on, this, on the last day, seven times, get those horns blowing, get the Ark of the Covenant. And I know that the only one good thing, they weren't fighters. So if, if they were, the generals would have said, are you off your head? We need to change this. Man, we need to get a person in who knows what they're doing. Listening, obedient to God, what happens? Success comes. Success comes. The world tells us that success is measured by the number of things we have. And we can only be happy if we have enough things. Assets, achievements, and admiration. You'll be successful. 
But the world tells us that is not true. And we only have to look through the, the, the history of, of men, women, and we'll have to look at the history of, of people and the highest rate of suicide uh, around the Beverly Hills area and all those kind of things. And we realize that's not true. Not true. The truth is we are looking for life and the answers to life, who we are, why we're here, where are we going. Thankfully, bless the Lord God, Jesus is still the answer to all those, of course. If we are pursuing God rather than things, we can fully expect to be successful in this. Success, in God's eyes, is to know him, to seek him, to be obedient to him. Hallelujah. That is success. Significance comes from the proper use of time. Um, and using it in for the eternal purposes and to serve the lord what is uh, 1 corinthians 3 he's talking about uh, when we have all our work put in the fire to see if it, it lasts what have you done for me dave well let's have a little look see see what let's just test it and you know as we said before that everything that it looks good in our wood beautiful but let me tell you 10 minutes in a furnace and nothing left of it Nothing left. So he said, we're going to test what you've done. He said, and if it lasts, if it remains, you'll receive a reward. So we've got to, again, define time by eternity and put ourselves in things that really... What did Timothy said to Timothy? Train yourself for godly. Physical training, lads, is of some value. Yeah, it's some, some value. It's good, good, good. But godliness has value for all things, holding the promise for both this life and the next. Again, our focus, energies. I remember someone telling me that uh, before their church, they were more in the uh, leisure center on, on the one night than in the prayer meeting the next night. Why? Because they've not understood this particular verse by ear. Yeah, some value, but not eternal value. Uh, Psalm 90. Psalm 90. The length of our days is 70 years or 80, if we have the strength. Yet they span as the trouble and sorrow, for they quickly pass and we fly away. Who knows the power of your anger? For your wrath is as great as the fear that is due you. Teach us to number our days aright, that we may gain a part of it. Moses, an old man at the time, said, Lord, teach me, teach me, let me be pliable and teach me to number my days, to use my days aright. It means to give me a heart of wisdom to make the best choices, the right choices. The sad thing about, again, significance, we think of achieving things in this world and nothing wrong with that. But you know what? Um, the things we think are significant are gone in a moment. If I were to say to you, who won the World Cup in 1974, 78 or whatever, you'd say, Man, I am going to clear but at the time, if you're into sport, you would have thought it was the greatest thing in the world to win the World Cup. But 20 years down the road doesn't make any difference. A youngster, a teenager, uh, goes to a concert and they are so in awe of that band, so significant. In 20 years, you don't know who they are. And you talk to the next generation, they haven't got a clue who they are. So why? Because we've got to, again, evaluate our time. I always remember the funny story of reading in the Western Mail about a uh, uh, yeah, a chap and his young son going through Bridgend, I think they were. And he said, he said to his son, look at that, it's J.P.R. Williams there. And his son said, who? Who? What are you talking about, J.P.R. Williams? Find his full back. Who? You see, what, what we're saying is, what we think is significant, even in our little time of life, doesn't, in our span of life, means nothing. The tragedy, we do not realize our own significance. 
Do we? Remember, we talked right at the beginning who we are in Christ. Who we are in Christ. I am a child of God. I am a, a, a person that is me. Like someone said, I, I only teach Sunday school. So insignificant, she said. But the minister said, wait a minute now. You're teaching five-year-olds the way of the Lord. So significant indeed it can affect their eternal welfare. There's no such thing as insignificant children of God, is there? No, 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 no. Uh, significant insignificance in one sense. We may, in one sense, we come to the Lord saying, Lord, I've got nothing, but what I have is going to be used for you. Significant in God's eyes. Well, fulfillment. What have I got there? Uh, what is forgotten the time is living here. What is remembered for eternity is of greatest significance. That's why we said, Lord, help me define my time by eternity. Is this what I'm doing have any relevance in eternity? Ah, serving others. Um, let's read those verses. One Peter four. One Peter four. But the end of all things is at Be therefore sober and watch unto prayer. And of all things, have fervent charity among yourselves, for charity shall cover the multitude of sins. Use hospitality one to another without prejudice. As every man hath received the gift. Even so, minister the same one to another, as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. If any man speak, let him speak as the oracles of God. If any man minister, let him do it as the ability with God giveth, that God in all things may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom be praise and dominion forever and ever. Amen. See, fulfillment, and um, again, it is contrary what the world says. I was just again listening to someone ministering. He said, if you want to make it a great year this year, serve the Lord. Serve others, he said. Serve. Why? Because the, the, the Bible is very clear, isn't it? What did Paul say? I told you, Paul told the Ephesians, just as he got the last time, Acts 20, I've told you to work. Their work hard means to be weary, to even to fatigue, to help those who are weak, to support those who are weak. Why? Because the Jesus said is more blessed to give than receive. Serving. To be fulfilled is to serve the Lord in all things. Colossians 3 says, Whatever you find your hand to do, do with all your might as unto the Lord. So we serve the Lord when we go to work, don't we? The Bible says we don't serve the employer. We're actually serving the Lord. So there was a story about... Um, an aerospace engineer had just become a Christian. And of course, oh, we need a bit of that. I mean, when they first became a Christian, there's so much enthusiasm for the Lord. Lord, help us. And uh, he wanted to start a Bible study in, in, in his work. And of course, uh, next to his work was a bowling alley. So he thought, I can start in there. We can go in there. And uh, he put a poster up the next day, a Bible study uh, starting in, in the morning. Um, and uh, so... He put the poster up, but it wasn't, for, wasn't long that uh, one of the chaps came in and ripped this down and said, you can't bring Jesus into this place. And of course, he was um, just one of those, just believe what they said. Well, I can't, I can't not bring him. He said, every day I walk in, Jesus comes with me, he said. Jesus is in me. And uh, the Christian, or the not yet Christian, wasn't really impressed with that response. Even so, they, um, they started the uh, Bible study, and one of the men became a, a Christian. Who was talking about it. And again, he was one so excited, giving out tracts, telling people about the Lord. This young engineer who started the Bible study was going off. He, he left the, the, that and went to be into the ministry. 
A few months later, or a few, a few bit longer than that, he came back to see how everything was going. And uh, he said, do you remember that chap who pulled your poster down? Oh, yes, he said. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He said, um, well, you know what? He said, he fell ill. And he nearly died. He said, so I went to the hospital and visited him every evening. And you know what? I thought you'd like to know. He got saved. He got saved. He's got saved. See, do God's work wherever we are. However insignificant we think it is. A phone call, a letter, to pray over someone, to pray for someone, to prophesy over someone, to make them a cake. Do what you can and let God do what he must and can do. Serving the Lord, fulfilling. And so often we get caught up in ourselves. But you know what? You are unique. Why? Because in your family, you are the father or you're the mother or you're the child or the son or the daughter. You are the, in that particular place for God to use you to witness for the Lord. For us who are children, what are we to do? Show God, honor to our parents, aren't we? Honor them. And uh, they will see in us something different. What's the difference in you? You're not cheeking me back. Bless the, you're doing what you're told. Bless the Lord. Washing the dishes, you're cleaning your bedrooms. Boys, you're listening? You say, Mom, can I put the hoover around for you? See, you see sometimes we laugh, but that's it's just basic practical things. When Jesus touches us, we want to serve. We want to serve. See, you occupy yourself by being an ambassador. 2 Corinthians 5, 17 to uh, 20. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. All things have passed away, behold, all things have become new. And all things are of God, who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ, and has given to us the ministry of reconciliation. To wit, that God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ, and as though God did beseech you by us, we pray you in Christ's stead, be reconciled unto God. We are ambassadors wherever we are. The Bible says grow where we planted and where God has put us. Be there in your family, in your neighborhood, in your workplace, in your college, in your school. Why? Because I can't do that for you. Neither you can do it for me, can you? Where I am in work, I am the, the ambassador for Jesus Christ. Don't try and be someone else. God has put you where you are with all your quirks idiosyncrasies of the word. Some of those need to be changed, of course. We know that because they're not very good, some of them. But God has put you. God will not ask you on that day of judgment why you weren't like Billy Graham. No, he won't. Or David Wilkerson or whatever it is. He'll ask you why you didn't do with what you had and what you were and what God has called you to be in that day. Fulfilled. How do we get fulfilled? Serving the Lord. Serving one another. Amazing. Satisfaction. What does the Bible say? Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Now, do we really believe that? Yes, I believe that, Dave. Well, are we doing that? That's, it didn't matter whether we... I believe everything in God's word. Well, that's maybe true. But are we doing it? Are we really hungering and thirsting for righteousness? Then we will be fulfilled. We become dissatisfied with something or someone because we get a wrong thinking, wrong understanding. They are, will not satisfy our hearts. Uh, John 4, 13, 14. 
Jesus answered and said to her, Whoever drinks of this water will thirst again, and whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst. And the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of life, springing up into everlasting life. Well, there we are. There's who we go to. Keep our eyes on him. We can be so distracted and we can get lots of things going on. But that will just spread us out too far and we'll forget what our real focus is. Even the dissatisfactions, we like to change, don't we? Um, we can complain. I suppose people have complained when they come to church, haven't they? It's too cold, it's too hot. Don't like this, don't like that. And, we, and even when all those are changed, you know what? They'll find something else to complain about. And in, in the house, we'll always find something to complain about. Why? Because they are superficial. God says, your heart, your heart, your heart. That's what I want to change. Satisfaction is living righteously and seeking to raise the quality of our relationships and the things we do. Mary, Mary, Martha, Martha, Mary's chosen the better. Sit at his feet, listening to him. Oh, Father, help us to find satisfaction in him. You won't find it anywhere else. No, you won't. You won't. Happiness, well, again, I don't, don't particularly like the word happy um, because, again, that can change, can't it? Because happen, happen, happiness is related to haps, happenings. And of course, as we know, the Bible is very clear, lots of things are going to happen. Some good, some bad. And if we're related to that, we're in trouble. But psychologists tell us this. Three things they say we need for happiness. Love, something to do, and something to hope for. Identity, purpose, and destiny. Thankfully, you will not find anything outside of Jesus Christ in those, will you? What does the Bible say? Happy is the man whose God is the Lord. Psalmist says, those who trust in the Lord are blessed. I like the word blessed, far better. Uh, those who fear the Lord are blessed. The world's context of, concept of happiness is having what we want, isn't it? If you have what you want, you will be happy. Um, not so true. What does Timothy say? 1 Timothy 6 Six to nine. Godliness with contentment is great gain, for we brought nothing into the world. Listen to this, we can take nothing with us. But if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. People who want to get rich fall into many temptations. And um, we read that. And foolish, harmful desires that bring them destruction and ruin them. Listen to what the Bible says the love of money, not money. The love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Some have eagerly wandered after them and wandered, uh, pursued them and wandered from the truth and pierced themselves with many griefs. I wonder how many people have left or pursued that with all their might and then found doesn't bring that. Why is the Bible says one one John two the love of the love of the, of the flesh, lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh, the pride of life. What is the Bible says? That's the world's thinking, and it will pass away. But those are the those are the will of the God will last forever. Happiness, blessing comes from knowing Jesus. Actually, he says here, you have everything you need to make you happy forever. 
worry with it. We have Christ. We have eternal life. We have a loving, we are loved by the Heavenly Father who has promised to supply all our needs. Listen to that again. You have everything you need. You have Jesus. He's with you. He's in you. You have eternal life. You are loved by the heavenly, our Heavenly Father who has promised to supply our needs. No wonder the Bible continually says, Give thanks to the Lord. He's loving you. Give praise. The devil comes along and says, Well, Dave, you haven't got this, this, and this. And he's right. But the Bible says you have all we need. Happiness, I like that particular um, statement there. Happiness comes from wanting what you have. I like that. Knowing that in and of itself we have more than we have. And we are thankful, especially when we consider what we actually deserve. Ah, again, remembering who we are outside of Christ, what we deserve. But then remembering who we are. The temptation continually comes to us. Of course it does. I want more. That's why we go back to our Sunday, night, Sunday service and said we must deny ourselves. We must pick our cross. We must follow him. Because the flesh and the devil and the world's always saying, Dave, you want more. Never satisfied. I love the story of Billy Graham when he went to that uh, on holidays to one of those um, Caribbean islands. And uh, he was invited by a man, 75 years of age, uh, to, for, for lunch. He got to his house and he said this house was like no other house you've ever seen. Outside there was a helicopter pad with a helicopter. And the man said, you know what? He said, just down in the bay there, I've got a yacht down there. He said, and he, he understood he was a, he's not just a millionaire. He was a multi, multi-millionaire. He said, you know what? But I've got nothing. I'm empty. I'm, I'm just broke. There's something missing. Billy Graham tried to lead him to the gospel. He said, it's Jesus you're missing. All these things are just peripheral. And he said on the same island, there was a 75-year-old minister who, who, who was uh, living with somebody because he couldn't afford anything. And uh, he, he went to see him. And he said, you know what? I'm the, I'm, the, I'm the most blessed man on this island. Same age. One with everything the world would say. Yes. One who didn't have a penny to rub between his fingers. Who was, who was the mo and he said to his wife then, Ruth, who was the most blessed? Who was the most happy? Out of those two. I want more. Well, of course, it doesn't change, isn't it? When God delivered the Israelites, he provided food. He said, look, cloud by day, fire by night. And what do they say? We want more. Even saying they would prefer to go back to slavery. How ridiculous. When we get to heaven and God asks us how, how our life was, Will we say it was okay, but I would have liked a bit more? <laughs> and Jesus, and they will say, well, I give you my only son. Will we say then I wanted more? Happy are those who want what they have. You know what? Put your life in his hands. Invest in the kingdom. Good investments for eternity. You know what? The great thing about it, when we invest in eternity, God actually gives back to us. I don't know why, but you know what, if he didn't, it's a good investment. Why? Because it's something that will last forever. Invest in eternity. Well, I'm not particularly, I'll see where the, this is going, because I don't like the, the, fun, the word fun is not a great, the, uh, the, the basis of fun is not a good word because it means to make mockery of, to make a fool of. Uh, to, but what he's saying is live moment by moment. I like the word, better word is joy. Joy, joy of the Lord is my strength. Uh, John 10, 10.
feed comes from me to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it twofold. See, the devil always whispering at you, oh, you, get to, you come to Jesus and life is finished. There's no such thing as happiness and fun and that. Let me just say, that, what did Jesus say? The devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come to bring life and not abundant. Abundant. Uh, why? Because now we're just, we're, just, we're not people pleasing. Not anymore. I'm God pleasing. So, uh, and that's the problem. We, we say, I, wa I want to be of life and fun and all that kind of thing. But you know what? Really, people are just people pleasing. When we're young, we don't want to do the things our peers are doing. Peer pressure, of course. So we'll just fit in. And we'll do some stupid things, haven't we? Some of us have done some stupid things just to fit in. But moment by moment, moment by moment. Philippians 2, uh, 7, 17, 18. She's talking about joy, joy in the difficulties. And thankfully, Paul in, the, in that book, Philippines, he's writing from prison. And he uses the word rejoice more in that book than any other book. Rejoice, have this great delight and joy and cheerfulness in God, he said. Uh, Luke is, is, is talking about the Beatitudes, and then he says this, um, Blessed are you if you are persecuted, if they ostracize you, if they throw you out. Then listen to what he says in, in Luke 6.22, I think. Rejoice, listen to this one now, and leap for joy. Woohoo! Leap for joy. Why? Because you are the Lord's. You are the Lord's. King David, when the Ark of the Covenant was coming back, he was so excited. The Bible says so excited that the Lord was coming back to Jerusalem that he began to jump and to dance and to be just exuberant in his praise before the Lord. Uh, spontaneous, I suppose, is what, you, what we're looking for. Um, but his wife, Michal, 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 I suppose, said, how disgraceful. The Bible says she despised him in her heart. And when he came in, she said, you disgrace, how, you've distinguished yourself, like, like one of the, the, the poor people, the one, you weren't a king. And this is what he said. He said, look, he said, I danced before the Lord, not before anyone else. He said, and I, I don't care if I become nothing in their eyes. And I, in fact, he said, I'll become more undignified in their eyes. But you know what? When they, th when you think that, I'll be more honoured in their eyes and certainly in God's eyes. See, what it is is God pleasing, not people pleasing. Security comes from focusing on eternal values. Hebrews thirteen five to six. Let your conversation be without covetousness, and be content with such things as you have. For He has said, "I will never leave thee, nor forsake thee." So that we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper, and I will not fear what man shall do unto me. See, our security, of course, is dependent on the Lord, not on earthly things. Uh, we can't control, we have no ability to control. Uh, in, interesting, in these last days, God is shaking the very foundations. And the Bible says he will continue to shake until the day he returns. He will shake the foundations. So... Tough days in a fallen world are coming, are upon us, aren't they? Amazing. 
how, 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 how fearful and chaotic our world has become just in, a, in just a little moment by a little virus. I shouldn't say little virus, don't downplay it in one sense, but that's what's just thrown everything up in the air. What does the Bible say? Blessed are those who fear the Lord. Why? Psalm 112. He has no fear of bad news. Listen to that. Fear the Lord, no fear of bad news. His heart is steadfast. Trusting in the Lord, he is secure from fear. He is secure. The wise man built his house upon the rock. So it doesn't matter what happened. Circumstances, he went through the same difficulties as the, as the other man, but he was built on the rock. Our security is in and on him. Insecurity comes, from, comes when we depend on things that will pass away rather than things that will last forever. So true, isn't it? So true when we put our lives in other things, not the Lord. The Bible says when we're in him and we stay in him, nothing can separate us from the, the power of Christ, the love of God, of course. We are sealed in him. And then everything that happens, whatever, it doesn't matter how so often we again get caught up in this world. Jim Elliot, um, when he was in college, wrote this in his journal. Father, if you will let me go to South America to, do, to work for you and to die, let me go soon, he said. Not long after, Jim Elliot, at the age of 28, the whole of his life in front of him, uh, as a pilot, would have been a we would have said it's a successful life, was killed, was murdered as a martyr for the Lord. And this is what he said also, we know it, great, great uh, phrase, he is no fool to give up what he cannot keep in order to gain that which he cannot lose. Paul said, whatever I thought was profit before, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I've lost all things, I consider them rubbish, that I may, I may gain Christ. See, when we begin to see that, it changed nothing. It was, a, uh, again, uh, reading the book on this, a guy who went to Hungary just after they came out of communism, which is uh, probably early 90s, or maybe 90. And he went to a church, and this particular uh, I think it was pastor, I think it was a pastor, pastor and his wife and a little child were living at the back of the church in, a, in his one particular room. And um, to go to the toilet, they had to walk through the church, to the outside toilet there, and, and for food, they had to go to the back of the church, in the church kitchen. And they just, and he said, look, he said, ah, this, this is okay temporary, but it shouldn't really be here, especially now with a little child. You should have a, 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 you know, a little place. And they said, well, we were just about to buy a place. As we, we were just before we got married, we saved up $4,000, which would have bought us a two-bedroom apartment in Hungary. And uh, just then, communism broke, and um, they, they were allowing the gospel to go out, evangelism, for 10 cities. And he said, our, our particular denomination wanted to do that, and, and they, they needed $4,000. And so one night he said, I was, I was sleeping and I had a dream that the Lord said, give it, give it. And uh, he turned up, uh, I don't think they were married then, or just about to get married. And, his, and he was just about to say, and his, his wife said, I had a dream as well. Give this money away. All that they saved up for that which they thought important, they give it to the Lord to get the gospel out. And what is more important? In eternity, 
In each unit, we again see success, satisfaction, understanding that. Peace, well, um, comes from quite in the inner storm. Let's read those verses, uh, Romans 5, 1 to 5. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, to whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also rejoice in our sufferings, because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance character, and character hope. And hope does not disappoint us, because God has poured out His love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit, whom He has given us. Peace in the New Testament do with relationship, harmonious right relationship with Christ, end of strife, end of untroubled, understood well-being in him. Colossians said, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts daily. Philippians 4, 4 to 9. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all the Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, Present your request to God, and the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me, or seen in me, put into practice, and the God of peace be with you. Amen. And the peace of God, how do we get it? Take it to the Lord. Run to Him. He guards us, He guides us, um, all those things. And if you look at your back, um, you'll see a list of those things, of what guidelines to walk in faith. And there's also a little uh, test me there by a martyr. Uh, uh, we won't read that tonight, we haven't got time, but you can read that in your time. That's a real challenge, who we are in Christ. Well, you say, well, I suppose, Dave, um, what you say is true, but I still believe this. Do you remember Thomas? I will not believe. <laughs> oh, Lord, help us to get our minds and our hearts into sync with God's word, God's truth. So all the things that we need for life are found in Jesus, found in him. Don't listen to the lies of this world, but follow him. It's a continual transformation, of course. Let's read our last verse, Isaiah 48, 17 to 19. Isaiah 48. This is what the Lord your sorry, this is what the Lord says, your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel. I am the Lord your God, who teaches you what is best for you, who directs you in the way you should go. If only you had paid attention to my commands, your peace would have been like a river, your well being like the waves of the sea. Your descendants would have been like the sand, your children like its numberless grains. Their names would never be blotted out, nor destroyed from before me. It's great verse, great verses those. If only, this I am the Lord who leads you in the, in the right way, the best way. If only you would listen to me. Blessing, righteousness, flourishing, fruitfulness, peace of God, the shalom of God. We like a river running. Just those to finish. If you're God's child, remember that. He delights in you. No one, nothing can prevent you from becoming the person God wants you to be, but you. It's about what you like than what you do. We are in Jesus. 
Amen. We, maybe next week we'll sort of just take an overview of what we did and think maybe you want to come with something the Lord's spoken to you about in this these these uh, um, studies, what the Lord's doing with us. Uh, we want, especially, we're certainly concentrating on a few areas that the Lord really wants to work to delve in, to dig up things that are hindering us and stopping us and walk in freedom in the Lord. We hope you've enjoyed this episode. To find out more about our church, including our service times, visit www.oakdalechristiancentre.org. Thank you.